Welcome to a Crime from Hale podcast. I'm your host, Haley Dameron, and I invite you to join me as I tell you the very real stories of the murdered and the missing. And hey, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to put a disclaimer that this podcast may contain disturbing and triggering topics that is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Hey guys, and welcome to the very first episode of a Crime From Hell podcast. I am so glad you're here listening, and I am extremely nervous, but I am just super excited to finally be doing something I have literally been dreaming of doing for probably over a year now. Um, But yeah, let's get into our first case, and this case, I was trying to narrow down where to start. What case would be the first case I cover on a Crime From Hell podcast? Where would I start? And it's when my friend would suggest this case to me that I would start researching the details and I knew it would be a good case to start with because it happened locally to us, so it was just, it was perfect. I would start close to home and start with something I was familiar with, but all that went out the window when I started researching the details of this case and everything I thought I knew about this case would get tossed out the window. And that brings us to the case of Matthew Josiah Silliman. Matthew was born on August 31st of 1990. And on September 10th of 1990, only just 10 days after his birth, Matthew was adopted by his parents, Betty and Ben Silliman. Other members of Matthews and family include his younger sister Mary and his older brother Jeremiah. The Silliman family lived in a small town of Apex, North Carolina, which is just right outside the Raleigh-Durham area. They had relocated from Wyoming to Apex in 2001, and life just seemed to be going great for the Silliman's. Ben, Matthew's father, was a college professor, and Betty, Matthew's mother, was a Montessori teacher for preschool-aged children. Matthew's parents described Matthew as having an energetic, bubbly personality. Matthew had actually been involved in Boy Scouts growing up, and in 2007, Matthew was even able to receive the honor of becoming an Eagle Scout. His mother described that to achieve this honor, he worked on a huge project that involved doing some landscaping work at a local church in Cary, North Carolina. See, there was this section of the church's property where nothing would grow, and Matthew had decided to build a stepping stone path and an area to sit along with some rose bushes to really revamp and bring beauty back to this once barren area. I like to mention this small story of Matthew because I think it just really helps you understand the kind of person he was. See, it wasn't just Matthew's family that saw his caring personality. 
Between friends, family, and members of the church, people describe Matthew as an outgoing person that was very likable and who cared deeply for his family and friends. Let's go ahead and jump into the summer of 2008 when a group of high school kids entering their senior year start evolving into a close-knit group. This group of friends included a longtime friend of Matthew's, Adil Khan, and Matthew's girlfriend, Michelle Lippert, along with Allegra Dalquist, Ryan Hare, and Drew Shaw. All of the kids attended the same school at Apex High School, with the exception of Drew, who actually went to another high school nearby in Cary. Adil was Matthew's longest and closest friend of the group, he had been friends with Adil since the sixth grade, and Matthew's mother described their friendship as being so close they would consider each other like brothers. In the summer of 2008, Adil had introduced Matthew and Michelle, who eventually started having feelings for each other and developing a relationship. Allegra, who was another female friend in the group, was also introduced to the group by Adil who she had been so close with they would spend like every day together. Allegra was also known to be the driver of the group. She had a car, so she was always picking up Matthew and the others in the group to hang out. Allegra also had begun dating Ryan Hare, which would be kind of how Ryan and his friend Drew would become a part of this friend group. The group would hang out multiple times a week and on the weekends just doing typical teenage activities like going to the mall, driving around together, and going to each other's houses. Everything seemed like this group of teens were just enjoying life, enjoying their youth, and looking forward to entering their senior year of high school. Matthew turned 18 on August 31st of 2008, and as September approached, Matthew started to really struggle with his mental health. Matthew's mother, Betty, started to notice Matthew becoming very distant and would say he would sit outside in the cul-de-sac outside their home and would sometimes be reluctant to come inside, even at dark. Matthew started drinking and smoking and would often just need to go outside to clear his head. Matthew was also experiencing some tension in his relationship with his girlfriend Michelle and you see, Michelle suspected there had been something going on between Matthew and their other friend Allegra and the two thought it would be a good thing to take a break for a while. It was around mid-September that Matthew actually took a brochure to a local mental health clinic to his parents, expressing that he may want to seek treatment there for his mental health. Matthew's parents really saw that their son was reaching out for help, and they wanted to be able to get him that. They got Matthew to meet with a psychiatrist he had known over the years in his childhood who had previously treated for him for ADHD, as well as another psychiatrist who had determined that Matthew was struggling with bipolar disorder and depression. He was able to meet with these providers on a weekly basis and even start on some medication to help Matthew feel more like himself again. 
Unfortunately, however, later that same month, on September 30th, 2008, Matthew's mom gets a call from Adil Khan. Adil tells Betty over the phone that Matthew was in their bonus room and that he was abusing prescription drugs in an attempt to end his life. Along with the phone call from Adil, calls and messages flooded into Betty's phone because Matthew had posted on Facebook alluding to the fact that he was going to make a suicide attempt. Luckily, Betty was able to get a hold of her husband who was in the home with Matthew at the time to alert him that Matthew was attempting suicide and that he needed to get to him right away. Matthew's father, Ben, and his little sister, Mary, were able to stop Matthew and call 911. He was transported to the hospital where he was treated for about a day and then transferred to a mental health clinic where he would receive treatment for about five days. After this suicide attempt and receiving inpatient mental health treatment, friends and family of Matthew say he was doing a lot better. They said he was actually very regretful of it and that he knew now that he actually did not want to die. Though Matthew still struggled with bipolar disorder and depression, he really seemed to have a new look on life and was hopeful for the future. Once he had returned home, Matthew and Michelle reconciled their relationship and found that after their small break, they still had a lot of feelings for each other. However, you remember that part I mentioned before about Matthew and Allegra possibly flirting and even being a little bit more friendly with each other than just your typical friends? Well, it seems like these rumors kept brewing, and it wasn't just Michelle who had speculations about something going on between Matthew and Allegra. See, the whole friend group had their suspicions of the two, including Allegra's boyfriend, Ryan. And those rumors would turn out, in fact, to be true. Now, it's hard to say just how far this fling between Allegra and Matthew went. Some will say the two just went as far as hanging out alone and making out, whereas other sources say their secretive relationship was sexual at one point. Despite the conflicting details of what was actually going on between the two, it would lead to Allegra and Ryan breaking up for about two weeks in October of 2008. Allegra had told Ryan she needed a break and some time to see if she had really had feelings for someone other than Ryan. And while she didn't specifically tell Ryan this other person was Matthew, it was pretty clear to him and the entire group. This definitely put some tension on the group as I'm sure it would in any friend group. And after two weeks though, Allegra decided her feelings for Ryan were stronger than her feelings she had for Matthew, as well as Matthew's feelings really belonging to Michelle. Allegra and Matthew decided it was best for them to just remain friends. But Ryan still wasn't happy about the entire situation, and even though him and Allegra were back together, the stress on the relationship really began to take over. Ryan would pressure Allegra for more information regarding her fling with Matthew, 
they started to fight more often, and over time these fights would turn into yelling and even sometimes physically assaulting each other. Allegra felt really guilty for the strain on her relationship and really just wanted Ryan to love her again and to forgive her. It was mentioned by some friends of theirs that Ryan had a really strong hold on Allegra and that she would do just about anything for him and that he would definitely play with Allegra's emotions and take advantage of her in her own times of struggling with depression and self-harm. On November 7th, 2008, Betty notices Matthew is looking really disturbed by something. As Betty pushes for her son to talk to her and tell him what is bothering him, he reluctantly tells her he is fearful of a hitman named Roger, who is out to kill him. Betty is so confused by this, and is kind of like, what do you mean, a hitman? This is small town Apex, North Carolina. There is not a hitman after you, Matthew. Earlier that day, he had been sent home from school for sneaking a water bottle of Kool-Aid mixed with tequila and getting drunk during the early hours of school. This was out of character for Matthew, and between the drinking at school and the strange story about a hitman, Betty is just really confused and not so sure what to say or even think in this moment. I mean, this is what she knows in the moment sitting on the edge of her son's bed, late at night, yearning for him to confide what's causing him to be consumed in so much worry. I mean, Matthew looks completely terrified by something at this point. And while this hitman idea seems so out of this world, she wonders if this could be a legitimate concern. Over the next couple of weeks, this mysterious hitman Roger would be a topic of discussion with Matthew and his fellow friend group. You may be wondering, who Roger is? Did the teens know this man? And how did this seemingly dangerous man become fixated on targeting Matthew? Well, that's where the story gets wild and starts unfolding a dark plot that honestly sounds like it's something you would see in a movie. Now, in a sense, yes, the friend group knew Roger, but none of them had ever seen him in person or even had a conversation with Roger. Well, that is all except one person in the group. Ryan Hare. Ryan had mentioned Roger and described him to be in his early 20s and involved in deep-rooted conspiracies and politics of the small town, and that he was not someone you'd want to on your bad side. Ryan tells the group Roger had helped him in the past and that Roger was kind of protective of Ryan. It was around late October and well into November that Ryan started telling Matthew and the other members of the group that Roger isn't happy with Matthew and that he needed to be taken care of. Roger had apparently seen or heard of Matthew and Allegra's secret affairs and didn't like how Matthew could do that to his friend. This terrified Matthew and his friends and though they had no clue who Roger even was, 
They really trusted Ryan and trusted Ryan to help them formulate a plan to get Matthew off of Roger's radar. Throughout the following weeks into late November, the talk of Roger becomes more and more frequent. And Matthew is really feeling the anxiety and worry that he could be in some real danger. Now he tries his best to ignore it and go about his life as normal as it can be. But he feels like he really just needs some time to get away and clear his head. Matthew starts making some plans to visit a friend of his, Vicki Thomas, who he had known from church and was attending an all-girls college at the time. He didn't mention this to his parents right away, and it wasn't his intention to tell his mom about this trip, but his parents eventually found out and really discouraged him from going. They had a lot of doubts about Matthew going on this trip, but they knew he was 18 years old and was an adult and allowed him to make that decision on his own. Their only request was that he would be back on Sunday night so that he wouldn't miss school the following Monday. Matthew stayed determined to visit Vicki and he made the trip to DC. He left on Friday the 21st after school let out and respected his parents' wishes and returned home late Sunday the 23rd. Matthew came in late to his home where his parents welcomed him back with open arms and were just really relieved that Matthew had decided to come back. They had some nice family time and were all looking forward to Thanksgiving that week. And it's these moments, the the calm before the storm moments you could call them, those are the ones that haunt me the most in these true crime cases. Because though the Silliman's didn't know at the time, sitting there in their living room, chatting with their young adult son and just sighing in relief that he made it from his trip home safely, that this would be one of the last nights together like this as a family. Because just two days later, a complete nightmare would unfold in the lives of the Silliman family. Tuesday, November 25th of 2008 started as a normal day for Matthew. He attended school and it was the last day before school would be out for Thanksgiving break. After school, Matthew went to his girlfriend Michelle's house to hang out with her and after a few hours was picked up from Michelle's by his father. Later that same day, between 7 and 8 p.m., Michelle gets a phone call from Adil saying that Matthew has to leave town right away and that he wants to meet up so that he can say his goodbyes to Michelle and give her an explanation in person why he's leaving town so abruptly. They decide to meet up at the local blockbuster and Michelle's the first to arrive, but shortly after the group shows up and she joins them to sit in Allegra's car. She gets in and sits next to Matthew and the group is all there, Ryan, Allegra, Adil, Drew, and Matthew. She is confused by what's going on, but the group leaves and gives Matthew and Michelle a couple of moments alone to talk. Michelle notices Matthew is frantic and scared and just extremely upset as he explains that a hitman by the name of Roger is going to kill him. 
and that Ryan and the others were going to take him somewhere remote where he would be safe until he could get a train ticket out of town. Michelle is confused and filled with worry as she doesn't understand why this is all happening or when and if she will ever see her boyfriend again. Ryan and the others join the two again and they reassure Michelle that they have a plan and are going to make sure Matthew gets out of town safely and to not worry. Adil even reassures Michelle that he will keep her updated about Matthew's safety the entire time. Though she is hesitant to believe this story, she looks to Matthew and sees he is full of confidence and trust in his friend's plan. This reassured some of her worry, and she too trusted her group of friends. Matthew and Michelle say their goodbyes, and the group parts ways with Michelle in Allegra's car. Matthew and the friends start driving around, and they head to a more rural area outside of Apex. Once they make it out on a rural road, Ryan ties a zip tie around Matthew's neck while Adil attempts to tase him. Matthew yells out to Allegra, God, help me! He is able to get free from the zip tie, and the attempt to essentially strangle Matthew fails, and even the attempt to tase Matthew fails as well because the taser Adil tried to use actually didn't work. Though Matthew is confused by this, Ryan proposes a plan to fake Matthew's death and get him out of town to trick Roger into thinking Matthew is already dead. Matthew is nervous about this plan but trusts Ryan and agrees, but they need to figure out just how to make this fake murder believable to Roger. Allegra drives the group to a vacant mobile home that is owned by Allegra's family that is located in just a rural part outside of Apex. Once the group arrives, they determine this would be a perfect place for Matthew to stay for a couple days, just so they could figure out the logistics of pulling off this hoax. Matthew would stay in this mobile home for the next five days. His friends would bring him food and he would just kind of hang out here waiting out of Dodge from Roger. It would be on Wednesday, November 26th that Matthew's parents would report Matthew missing, and when the police would actually put out a silver alert for Matthew. If you aren't familiar with what a silver alert is, it's essentially a public notification system in the U.S. for missing persons who may be endangered due to dementia or some form of cognitive impairment. Even after speaking to friends of Matthew's, his mom wasn't able to get any of them to admit whether they knew Matthew's whereabouts. Even his girlfriend Michelle lied and said she hadn't seen him, because at the time she still trusted her friends and didn't want to mess up any plan of getting Matthew out of town safely. Back at the vacant mobile home, however, Matthew still stayed, waiting for the next step in their plan. Ryan and the group were going to film them pretending to kill Matthew so they could show Roger that Matthew was no longer a problem. Allegra and Ryan even went to the extent to digging a grave for Matthew on November 29th outside of the home. 
I couldn't find anywhere if this was actually meant for Matthew or was also just a detail they used to help throw off Roger. This fake murder plan would take place on Friday, November 30th, and Matthew was getting really anxious about the whole idea. Ryan, Allegra, and Adil assure him everything will be fine, and Ryan has Drew stand outside with a ball pat in case Matthew gets scared and runs out of the home. Drew is kind of skeptical and kind of thinks this whole Roger scheme is just to scare Matthew, and he thinks the most that would happen is that Ryan would beat Matthew up to settle his beef with him, and inside, Allegra begins to read Matthew tarot cards to help calm his nerves and redirect his focus to something else. And as she's doing this, Ryan comes up from behind Matthew, striking him in the head with a hammer. Matthew is phased by this, but he's not severely injured at all, and he is phased enough a little bit to doubt and wanting to go through this plan of theirs. It was at this point Allegra left to take Drew home, and she would return back to the home with the three guys later. Allegra, Ryan, Adil, and Matthew decided to have some wine, and they convinced Matthew that he would feel less nervous if he had a couple of drinks. Matthew agrees and starts having some drinks with his friends, but only what Matthew didn't realize was that his drink had an extra ingredient that the others didn't. And that ingredient would be a drug primarily used to tranquilize horses. Yes, you heard that correctly. Allegra had added horse tranquilizer to Matthew's drink. It wasn't long until Matthew had become groggy from being drugged. Then the three start putting zip ties around Matthew's hands and feet and duct tape over his mouth even as Matthew started to try and vomit the wine and tranquilizer mixture. A plastic bag was then placed over Matthew's head and Allegra had slipped a zip tie around his neck. Once she slipped the zip tie around his neck, Ryan hair tightened the zip tie leaving Matthew there to suffocate to death. Once Matthew was dead, they moved his body into the bathroom of the mobile home where Allegra told Ryan and Adil they could leave him until they were able to come up with a better plan. See, they had dug that grave outside, but due to the rain, their grave was filled with water, making it impossible for them to bury Matthew. And because there were people looking for Matthew, they didn't want to risk being caught moving him. The following day, on December 1st, it was Adil's idea for the group to go to Matthew's parents' house and comfort them as their worry to their son's safety was only increasing with every day that went by with no lead to Matthew's safe return home. Adil called Michelle and ensured her that Matthew had left town safely and invited her to come along with them to Matthew's parents' house. Michelle was still very trusting of her friends and still had to, held to her word to Betty that she hadn't seen Matthew anywhere. And 
The other kids also ensured the Silmans that they had no idea where Matthew was. It wouldn't take long, though, for the guilt and fear to start weighing on a certain member of the friend group. And on December 2nd, Drew Shaw admitted to his grandmother that something bad may have happened to Matthew, and his body was in Allegra's family's mobile home. Drew's grandmother submitted a tip to the Apex Police Department with this information, and it would be on the next day, on December 3rd, when police would follow up on this lead and go out to this property looking for a body. There they made the horrifying discovery of Matthew's body in the bathroom of the home, and it was immediate that there was in fact foul play involved in Matthew's death. Matthew's official cause of death was asphyxiation and suffocation, and on that very same day of December 3rd, 2008, all four teens were arrested and charged with murder. Nearly two years after Matthew's death, in the fall of 2010, all four teens faced sentencing. Drew, Allegra, and Adil all had cooperated with the state's investigation and agreed to testify against Ryan. And all three took plea deals. Drew Shaw pled guilty to accessory after the fact and was sentenced to 45 to 63 months in prison. Allegra Dalquest and Adil Khan pled guilty and were sentenced to 196 to 245 consecutive months in prison on second-degree murder as well as attempted first-degree murder. And the person who is said to be the mastermind behind the sinister plot to kill, Ryan Hare, who was sentenced to life in prison on first-degree murder and attempted first-degree murder. This case rocked the small community of Apex, North Carolina. Matthew was a young and bright man that had so much life ahead of him. I also can't help but feel sorry though for Allegra, Adil, and Drew. I mean, I think what they did was horrific and at any point leading up to November 30th, I believe if just one of them had said something, told police where Matthew was while he was still alive, told police about this mysterious Roger man, then maybe, just maybe, Matthew could still be here with us today. But I can't help but feel that they were manipulated by Ryan, that Ryan deceived each one of them into going along with this vile, sinister plan. And it was always Ryan's plan for to kill Matthew for his secret affairs he had with Allegra. Investigators were never able to prove whether or not Roger was a real person. However, Ryan never admitted to Roger being fake. Before their trial, Ryan even wrote letters to Drew where he would tell him Roger was looking for his family. I do have one small theory, though. I believe Roger is real. Not a real person like you and me, but real nonetheless. 
I think Roger was a made-up character in Ryan's head so that Ryan could have someone to put some of his internal guilt onto. Someone to blame. Ryan had once been caught shooting a paintball gun at his school bus and when confronted said that Roger was with him and it was actually Roger that fired the paintball gun at the bus. But just like before, no one could ever prove Roger was there or even a real person. So I can't help but think Roger is a part of Ryan himself and a way for Ryan to separate himself from his more menacing behaviors. After Ryan was sentenced and the long trial was over, Matthew's mom, Betty, had a moment where she expressed forgiveness to Ryan's family and even hugged Ryan's mother. I can't imagine the mere strength that Betty Selman had to be able to go through such a tragic loss of her son still have so much grace and resilience and to be able to forgive. Matthew is remembered by his family and friends and members of the community for being caring and smart and someone that deserved to be here with us today. Matthew's story serves as a reminder to us all, especially if you're younger, that you never actually know anyone. Even someone you trust with your life could be the very person that could end it all. Thanks again for listening to a Crime From Hail podcast. If you liked today's episode, please consider supporting me by subscribing and sharing the podcast with your true crime-loving friends. Oh, and if you want to be in the loop on future episodes, chat theories, and request cases you'd like to see covered in the future, head over and follow us on Instagram at a Crime From Hell podcast.